Welcome listeners to your all-time Radio Monday, and mates, the theme today is jealousy. With a touch of madness, your first remastered tale is a favourite of mine, The Black Path of Fear. An old-time tale about love, jealousy, murder, and of course, mystery. This tale is exceptional in the adventure it takes listeners on, and the dialogue between the actors is cheeky, original, and unique. Also a product of the time, it will have you on the edge of your seat. The second tale, The Thing of Beauty, was a labour of love for me. I had to repair a significant amount of this work, but it was worth it. The Thing of Beauty is a sad tale about love and jealousy. Acting jealousy, to be exact. And even that is questionable on whether they loved each other. But they call it love, nonetheless. A egotistical quarrel amongst actors leads to tragedy. But I won't continue any further, mates. I don't want to ruin the story. A huge shout-out to both my white tea warlords, who love old-time radio episodes, Matthew J. Bauer and Maya. And a big thank you to my Grey Enforcers, Chad Warren, Just Heather, Lee Bauer, Lorraine Grisanto, Mace Joe, Paige Marcini, and Peter Raffaelli. You keep this podcast growing and improving. Thank you so much. Now, turn the radio up. Pour yourself a glass of Roma wine <laughs> and enjoy some old school tales from a time gone by. Now, Roma Wines present Path of Fear, starring Brian Dunleavy. Suspense is presented for your enjoyment by Roma Wines. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Those excellent California wines that can add so much pleasantness to the way you live, to your happiness and entertaining guests, to your enjoyment of everyday meals. Yes, right now a glass full would be very pleasant as Roma Wines bring you... Suspense! This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, who tonight from Hollywood bring you a star, Mr. Brian Donlevy. And so with the performance of Mr. Donlevy as Bill Scott in the Cornell Woolrich bestseller, The Black Path of Fear, we again hope to keep you in... Suspense! our first day in Havana. We'd taken a hack, an open horse-drawn carriage, and spent the afternoon driving around to see the sights. She was always crazy about Jade. So, in Chinatown, we stopped in a little curiosity shop the driver steered us to. We bought a few gadgets there and started back towards the main part of the town. It was getting dark, and she snuggled up close to me and the carriage. And... It's been a wonderful day, Scotty. Yeah. I was scared at first. A couple of times I thought I saw him in the crowd there, Chinatown. <laughs> I guess it was just my imagination. Sure it was. He wouldn't try any rough stuff this far from his home base. He may be a little Caesar around the nightclubs back in Florida, but here in Cuba he's just another alien who'd better not get caught packing a rod. He said he'd get me if I ever left him. No matter where I went, 
Well, he sent us a radiogram wishing us luck. That's what worries me. He didn't say which kind of luck. I took Hey, what's this, driver? A sloppy Joe, senor. Big attraction of Havana. <laughs> of course. Sloppy Joe's. Want to go in, darling? Why not? We can only die once. So I paid the coachman and we went into Sloppy Joe's. The place was jammed to the sidewalk line and so noisy you couldn't hear yourself think. It was like a football scrimmage when you moved and like sardines in a can when you stood still. Then suddenly the crowd divided in front of us like the Red Sea and a little photographer came through using an old-fashioned tripod for a battering ram. He set up his camera and pointed it in our direction. Ha! Senor and the lady would like a picture for to show their friends back in the estate. No, Oh, please, Scotty. We've never had a picture taken together. <laughs> together? With 40,000 people jammed up against us on all sides? Oh, well, instead, maybe you come to my studio. Calle Barrios. Calle Barrios. It's not far. No, no. Go on. Shoot it here. Go ahead. What? Well, make pause, please. Uh, mucho love. Si, como no? Eso es. Hold it. No. That is all. I have the picture. Well, he's taking us now, darling. Oh, come on, honey. Everybody's looking at us. Don't rush me, Scotty. Huh? Give me time. What is it? Why are you so limpy? You... I know we wouldn't make it. What do we care? Part of a nice bed of none at all. Eve. Just stay with me a minute. Won't take long. Darling, what happened? What happened? Scotty. That was the first picture we ever had taken together. Huh? Let me know how it turns out. Eve. Eve, darling. She's dead. She doesn't move anymore. Somebody do something, will you? She's been knifed right here in my arms. Murder in Sloppy Joe's. Murder that is to start a man twisting and turning down the black path of fear. Brian Donlevy is our star this evening. You have heard him in the prologue to tonight's tale of suspense. In Havana, one gathering place of fashionable people is the charming Pan American Club. A dinner party is in progress and the Cuban host has just risen to return a compliment which has been paid him by a guest from the United States. Lifting his glass, he says, Thank you, my friends. Thank you also for telling us about the perfect climate and soil of California, from which come these delightful Roma wines. Now we can understand how such perfection is possible, such magnificent quality as we enjoy in Roma wines. Well, such praise of Roma wines in foreign lands can only mean that they are truly magnificent in quality. But remember, you here in the United States can enjoy these distinguished wines at remarkably low cost. Only pennies a glass. Roma wines bring you a unique combination of California's perfect soil and climate, age-old winemaking skill, plus modern tests and controls, which make Roma so constant in quality. So uniformly fine. Discover for yourself the delightful flavor and goodness which have made Roma wines America's largest selling wines. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. 
And now it is with pleasure that we bring back to our soundstage Mr. Brian Donlevy, who, in the person of Bill Scott, continues his narrative of The Black Path of Fear. Tonight's tale of suspense. Havana is a fast town for anything. Love, life, and death, too. A minute ago, I'd been half of a honeymoon couple getting their first picture snapped by a little Cuban photographer in Sloppy Joe's. Now, I was alone with a corpse in an empty saloon. But that didn't go on for long, either. There were cops there in half a minute, and finally a detective. This woman is dead. Yeah, I know. You were the man with her? I was the man with her. Your name? Scott, Bill Scott. Mr. Scott, how long have you been in Havana? Four hours. You quarreled with this girl here in this bar? No, no. You were traveling together? Yes, that's right. The name on her tourist card is Mrs. Edward Espanelli. Yeah. Where is Mr. Espanelli? Not where I'd like him to be, which is roasting. You are not being very cooperative, Mr. Espanelli. Okay, okay, I'll tell you the whole story. She was a singer in a nightclub in Tampa, Florida. Spinelli owned the nightclub. She was a killer. He gave her the choice between getting killed and marrying him. Huh. So she married him. And how did you meet her? I worked for Spinelli, too. I, I drove his car. Hmm. You are not a chauffeur by profession, are you, Mr. Scott? No, no. I took the job to get her away from him. Is there anything wrong in that? The murder weapon is nine. What do you know about it? What are you driving at? Is this your knife, Mr. Scott? No, but it's a pretty close match. I bought one just like it this afternoon in a curiosity shop. Wait a minute, I'll show you. I've got it in my pocket right there. Wait, I've got it. Wait a minute. Don't get so excited. All right, it's in that pocket right there. Fish it out yourself if you want to. There is no knife here. But there's got to be. It was a knife with a jade handle. Like this one with a monkey carved on it. But the monkey on the one I bought was holding its hands over its ears. There were three of them in the shop. You know, the type, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I only know that you bought a knife this afternoon. That you no longer have a knife and that the knife has been used to stop this woman. But it's not the same knife, I tell you. I can prove it. Give me a chance to prove it, will you? All right, Mr. Scott. I will give you a chance. So we went back to the shop where I'd bought the knife, back to Chinatown. Inspector Acosta, that was the Cuban detective's name, questioned the old duck who sold it to me. You remember this man buying something in here this afternoon, Viejo? Uh, yes. Uh, gentleman by knife. Ornamental knife. A uh, knife with jade handle. Describe the jade handle. Oh, jade handle have monkey. We know that. Describe the monkey. Oh, pretty sure of monkey hiding eyes. So, see no evil. You're crazy. What's the matter with you? What are you trying to do to me? I bought the one holding its ears. You know it. Dear Chin, this man's life may depend on what you are saying. But you are absolutely sure. Come by trees. Last one is sold to this gentleman. Otto still go. Uh, can show you. Can lie in your teeth. Listen, Acosta. So what if he shows you the set with that one missing? He's probably got a hundred sets in the storeroom. Well, only one set imported. Uh, can show customs invoices. Uh-huh. How did this man and this woman act when they came into the shop? Oh, uh, lady act scared. Very scared. I told you, she was afraid Spinelli was going to have her bumped off. Well, he did it. 
And this guy has been paid to frame me. Can't you see that? I am sorry, Mr. Scott, but I must place you under arrest for the murder of Mrs. Eve Spanelli. As we threaded our way back through Chinatown in the police car, I thought the whole thing over. I came to a decision. The car fitted in the narrow lane like a cork in a bottle. If it should come to a halt in front of the door of a building... And finally it did. Just that. I bolted. They came after me fast. The door I ducked into opened into a pitch black hallway. I groped around till I found the flight of stairs and I started climbing. Climbing, I backed through the door into a room. In the dark room, I stood very still and listened. They were separating to case the roof along the block. I was safe for a few minutes anyway. Try to figure out where I was. Room, a dark room. I strained my eyes into the blackness. Then something cold and metallic found the side of my neck. It was the business edge of a knife blade. A light snapped on. Bueno? I, uh, no hablo espanol. Nothing, Weber. Oh, take it easy. Take it easy, will you? I can't talk your language. Put that knife down, will you? Te quiero instead of Politsai. Verstehen Understand? Comprende? Look, out there on the stairs, I don't know how to say it. Polizia. They're after me. Cops. Cops. Why didn't you say so before? I hate cops. Were you talking English? I ought to have been in enough of your jails to take out naturalization papers. Hey, get over here. I'll do what I can for you. They're coming back. I better get out of here. Don't be a fool. There's 20 of them down in the street now. They sure must want you bad, Chico. They say I killed my girl. They say wrong? They say very wrong. Another man took her away from you? No. I took her away from another man. Ah, then any fool of a policeman knows you did not kill her. You never killed what does not belong to you. Only what does. You tell them that. Oh, here comes Payday. Quickly, get into the cot there. Cover yourself up. What? But... Do as I tell you. Take off that shirt. What? Don't stop for the buttons. Tear it off. Well... Now then, face the wall. Wait a minute. What are you doing? Keep perfectly still. Don't rub against the cover. Pense, signore. Ha visto usted un hombre alto, macizo americano? No he visto a nadie. ¿Quién es ese? Mi hombre, mi marido. Llamoslo. Está muy enfermo. Vuela. Vuela. Sí, vuela. Ve a la cuarentena. Es verdad, vuela. Vamos. señor. Buenas noches. Buenas noches. What was all that about? What are all these red spots on me? I put them there with lipstick. Huh? I told the cops you were my husband. You have smallpox. <laughs> and they believed it? Why not? I showed them the quarantine sign on the door. Manolito, that was my man. He died of smallpox in this room. Huh? Oh, do not be alarmed. It has been disinfected. Oh. <laughs> oh, say, thanks. But why did you go to bed for me like that anyway? Uh, different reason. Flowers on a grave, I guess. Flower? 
What do you mean? It's hard to explain. It's my way of doing something for somebody that's not around anymore, I guess. It's the only way I have. I do not know any other way. You see, I know what it is to lose someone you love, too. Just like you. Manolito? He got smallpox in jail. Then he come back here to me to die. Um, what is your name, Wapo? Bill Scott. It's Scott? No, 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 Scott with an S. It's too hard to say. I call you Wapo. Wapo? That means handsome. Well, thanks. What'll I call you? Around this neighborhood, they call me Medianoche. Media... It means midnight. Hmm. Try it that way. Okay, midnight. They call me that because now I always hang around late by myself since he's gone. Well, midnight, I don't know what to say to you except thanks. Then other flowers on a grave. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess I'd better get going. What do you want to throw away all my hard work for? Hmm? They spot you at the next corner. Well, I can't hang around here for the rest of the night. What's the matter with it here? You know, if I could only get hold of that photographer. Photographer? Yeah, I was a photographer in Sloppy Joe's. He was snapping a picture of us just when it happened. Oh, you think maybe in this picture is the man who killed your sweetheart? Yeah, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, think, Wapo. What do you remember about this photographer? Oh, he was just a typical cheap photographer of tourists. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He said something about having a studio somewhere near Sloppy's. A Calle Barrios? That's it, Calle B Barrios. Look, do you know this guy? A sailors go there with the girls to get their pictures taken. Hmm. His name is Pepe Campos. I've got to get that picture, Midnight. I'll have to risk One it. One momentito. I first get you some other clothes. Huh? Here. I think this fits you. What? Where? Manolito was one big sailor. And now listen. I tell you what to get from here over to the Calle Barrios, so maybe the police don't see you. You go down to the mouth of the alley. You turn to the right. That is this hand here. Just a few steps from there. <laughs> It was so dark, I, I almost had to feel my way along the streets. Suddenly, out of nowhere, came a voice. There were two of them there, keeping the alley covered. I looked back the way I had come. Someone was coming toward me through the blackness. I waited there, paralyzed. Pepal, Marinero. Uh, what? Are you lonesome? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, you want a drink, sister? Well, look, walk close to me like this. Huh? Now, now, lean up closer. Get your face up under mine, honey. That's it. Give me a little more affection. <laughs> That's the stuff. Now, look, walk down this way with me, just past the corner. Big boy. You said it. What do you want to drink, honey? You said it. That's good. Here's the turn. Goodbye, sister. I 
I was afraid of yelling. I'd attract the cops, so I took off down the street, and then I ducked into the alley to catch my breath. I looked up. There was a sign on the shop. Campos Retratos y Fotografias. At first, I didn't get it. Then, all of a sudden, I knew. I was there. I opened the door and walked in. Senor? Look, you took a picture this evening of, of me and a lady in Sloppy Joe's. I want that picture. No me recuerdo. I do not recall. Now, look, there was trouble right afterwards. You know, a lot of noise, remember? Oh, see, si, see. Si. I remember. I am just developing the pictures I have taken today. Come with me. This is my dark room. The very latest equipment. Kodak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where's that picture? Oh, right here. In the bath. Oh. Huh. Yeah. It's beginning to come through. See, si, si. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. Oh, someone leans over the lady's shoulder, no? Yeah. Yeah, let's have some more light on the subject, will you? This is someone you know, senor? Uh, it's someone I know, all right? His name is... Never mind the name, Scotty. I'll introduce myself. Spinelli. Stand over against the wall, Scotty. You too. Well, I'm glad you found this picture, Scotty. I was kind of nervous about having a thing like this floating around. You can understand my feelings. You surprised me, Spinelli. I didn't think you even had the guts to stab a woman in the back without your gorillas around to protect you. Don't make me angry, Scotty. I'm in a bad mood. I didn't know you were smart like you are either, Spinelli. I, I apologize. You know, that was a cute trick, hiring a cab driver to steer us into that shop in Chinatown. But what I still can't figure out is how you switched those knives. I didn't. I still have the knife you bought. I frisked it out of your pocket. Now I'm going to give it back to you. Would you like to see it first? There. It's pretty, ain't it? You've always had an eye for jades. This is definitely the best of the three. It's a pity to spoil such a pretty knife, but the revolver, eh, it makes too much noise. Yeah, I think I'll use the knife on you, too. I like things symmetrical. Like Romeo and Julia, then. What's that? Don't move, Scotty. Waffle. Waffle, are you in here? <laughs> His sweetheart not dead an hour and already he has another. Midnight, get out of here quick. This man is a killer. Oh, I'm not afraid of you, big boy. Keep away from me and don't try any funny business. Oh, oh my hombre, he was just like you. He talked very mean. But he don't hurt me. Not one little bit. I don't only talk big, sister. I got a job to do here. I'll talk to you when I shut your boyfriend's trap for good. My boyfriend? Ha, are you kidding Go ahead, finish him off. He took a powder on me. I come after him only to collect. Oh, undercover? <laughs> oh, Scotty, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> undercover? Hey, you are rich, huh? <laughs> you got big diamonds. Say, I like you, mister. Stop mooching around. Midnight, I tell you, this guy's a killer. Watch out. Ah, shut up. Yeah, huh? How about it, big boy? Come on. Stick around, baby. I can use talent like yours. <laughs> Kiss me, big boy. 
Later, later. Now, Royal, very loud. Hey, Make you... big trouble. You're pretty hard stuff, ain't you? You don't know the half of it, big boy, huh? Come here. <laughs> now, Babo! Oh, your gun! Where's the gun? Oh, dirty little stool pigeon. Shut up, Spinelli. I've got the gun now. <laughs> Scully, I was only throwing a scare into you. Why, I would have knocked you off right away. If that's what I meant to do, wouldn't I? What's it worth to you to stay alive, Spinelli? Scully, a hundred thousand dollars. In the bank right here in Havana. Just let me go over that table there. Check the bearer, no strings. Spinelli, I want Eve back again. 200,000. Chicago account thrown in. 250,000. That's a quarter of a million, Scotty. I want Eve. You can't bring the dead to life, Scotty. But you can be rich. Kill me and you get nothing but a murder rap. The picture don't show me sticking the knife in her. The knife don't mean anything. Chin and the driver never talk. You're just fixing up a nice murder rap for yourself, Scotty. Shut up. Stand over under the lights, Spinelli. Huh? I don't want to miss. Scotty. Don't do it, Scotty. 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 You win, Scotty. So, that's the story, Inspector. I... I've come to give myself up for the murder of Ed Spinelli. Well, what are you going to do about it, Inspector? About what? About what? About what I just told you, the murder. I don't speak English so good. I often miss hearing things that are said, especially when they are said too fast. All right, I can say it slower. I just killed a man named Ed Spinelli. My English stinks today. I don't understand. You don't understand? I said... I don't know what you say. If I should get word from the commissioner to hold a man named the Scott for murder, that would be different. It would be in my language. Unless that should happen and it hasn't, please, would you mind not coming in here and mumbling in this English of yours that I don't understand? But, uh, uh, Senor Scott, yeah. this girl, this media noche. Midnight? Oh, what about her? Do you know where she is? That girl, that woman. She's been raising cane in my jail all night, all day yesterday. Well, what's she charged with? My foolish officers questioned her, and then they didn't know any better that they put down some charge other than the book. Senor Scott, huh? we have been stuck with her ever since. She's, she's like a hurricane. Well, I'll agree with you there. Senor Scott, huh? if you have not enough to bail her out, I'll pay it out of my own pocket, anything to get her out. <laughs> Yeah, I can hear it already. 
I, uh, I'd like to ask you in for a drink tonight. No, Waffle. You go in alone. Oh, won't you just have one with me, please? No. Why not? There's someone waiting for you in there. Oh, Lord, that's crazy, Midnight. I don't know anybody in Havana except you. Someone is waiting for you in there, Guapo. How do you say? Flowers on a grave. No? Flowers on a grave. And sloppy joes. Love makes any place beautiful. Even sloppy joes. Go on, Guapo. Buy her a drink at the bar and tell her how that picture you took together turned out. You promised you would, remember? How do you tell something to somebody that's dead? In your mind, Guapo, where she will always be. Oh. I'll try and tell her, Midnight. I'll tell her about about you, too. No. No, she will be jealous. Oh, no, not when I tell her. Oh, you do not know women, Guapo. Well, maybe not. Well, uh... Adios, Guapo. Goodbye. Midnight. And so closes The Black Path of Fear, starring Brian Dunleavy. Tonight's study in... Suspense. Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Have you discovered the secret of lovers of fine food? Namely, how good wine makes even the simplest, most inexpensive meals really exciting events. Well, the next time you serve any of the red meats, stews, fish, or poultry, place on the table a well-chilled bottle of Roma California table wine. Delicious sauterne, hearty burgundy, or tasty claret. You will be amazed at how much Roma wine, in bringing out all the appetizing goodness of even the simplest foods, adds to the pleasure of the meal. How it makes even a simple meal a feast. And remember, Roma wines cost you only pennies a glassful. So any home can afford the pleasure they give to everyday living. Ask for R-O-M-A. Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is Brian Dunleavy. Our government has asked us to bring to the attention of women listeners a very important message. In spite of our wonderful victories on all the fighting fronts, we must remember that the war is by no means over or nearly over. Hundreds of thousands of women must get into war work this year. You are desperately needed, both because you are admirably fitted for these jobs and because you represent the only adequate source of labor to replace the men in the armed forces and in the heavy war industries. Go to the United States Employment Service office and ask for information about the kinds of full-time or part-time jobs for which you are best suited. Brian Dunleavy will soon be seen in the starring role of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer's Technicolor production. Suspense. This is the Man in Black, here for the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California. Tonight, in the absence of Ida Lupino, who was prevented from being with us because of illness, 
We are fortunate in being able to bring to you as star the actress whose performance in the RKO production, None But the Lonely Heart, has recently won her an award for one of the ten best of the year, Miss June Dupre. Miss Dupre appears tonight in a drama of crime and passion and punishment, as unfolded in a narrative of a celebrated actress of yesteryear. And so with A Thing of Beauty and with the performance of June Dupre as Madeline Tremaine, we again hope to keep you in suspense. Thank you. I think we shall just miss the storm if we hurry. Rather somber place, isn't it? Oh, it gives her seclusion, and that's all she's ever asked for since she came here. Uh, that and uh, what little spiritual comfort I've been able to give her. How long ago was that, sir? That she came here, I mean. Eight, uh, no, no, uh, nine years ago in March. It was long before that she left the stage. Oh, she was nearly ten years in an institution. A, a mental disorder. Uh, though it's not her mind that was ever sick, uh, unless I'm mistaken... I do say she's a bit on the eccentric side. Oh, I don't believe in gossip. Uh, you'll be her spiritual advisor soon enough when I've retired. And, and I want you to meet her without prejudice. And one day I'll tell you what I know, uh, which is little enough, and uh, what I have reason to believe, uh, which is more. Oh, uh, it seems we'll uh, just about escape adventures. She lives completely alone? Uh, uh, the one servant, that's all. Father Benson. Oh, Suzette, this is my new curate, uh, the Reverend Mr. Sedley. Uh, we are here to see Miss Tremaine. Really? Does she know you are not alone? <laughs> my good Suzette, I haven't any idea. Uh, but you might let us in out of the rain while you so inform her, if you will. But if... Very well, come in. If you will wait in the study, I will ask if Mademoiselle is able to see you. What in the world got into the woman? She knows Miss Tremaine's been seeing me every fortnight at the same time for nine years. There's a picture here. Is it of her? Mm, probably. My word, she was a beauty. Mm, your father could have told you. She was a legend of two continents. Must have been a very tragic thing to make a woman like that shut herself away. Is it true, sir, that she sees no one but you? As far as I know, she has never set foot outside this house in all the time she's been here. Uh, nor has she ever had a single visitor beside myself. But why? I think uh, because she hopes that uh, somehow, someday, a man of God will help her to find peace. And she doesn't care to face the world until she's found it. Mademoiselle, we'll see you now, Father. In her parlor across the hall. Oh, uh, thank you. Well, Father Benson, come in. Come in. I do hope you don't mind my receiving you in the dark. But I have a mortal dread of light during a storm. Uh, not at all. You'll find two quite comfortable chairs just there by the window, I think. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Madeline, uh, this is my new curate, uh, Mr. Sedley. Oh, yes, Mr. Sedley. It's a great pleasure, Miss Tremaine, to meet such a famous beauty. <laughs> Even in the dark. Ah, so you've heard of my beauty, of course, Mr. Sedley. You know, as you came in, I was looking at this little gold mirror... Engraved on the back of the words, A thing of beauty is a joy forever. Ah, Keats. Yes. Oscar gave it to me. He said it was a magic mirror. Was that Oscar Wilde, Mr. Mayn? Yes. Dear Oscar. Dear dead days. 
Oh, I suppose you've already heard all the wild tales of my lurid past, Mr. Sedley. Oh, no, Mr. Jermaine, I assure you I... I don't believe that Father Benson has ever caught me in a reminiscing mood, have you, Father? But since you will one day be vicar here, Mr. Sedley, perhaps it would be uh, better if you heard the truth from me. Mr. Tremaine, don't think I... Oh, the truth is wild enough. It all began, I suppose, when John Gaylord got me my first speaking part. That was, oh, far too long ago to tell. John and Nell Garrett were the leads, and my part, well, it was one of those obscure little parts that no one pays any attention to until some obscure little actress comes along and makes the start of a career with it. It was then my first experience, what will always be to me, and all the range of human feelings, the supreme exaltation. When you hear the full, frenzied applause of an audience, for you, for you alone. Yes? It's me. Oh, come in, John. Madam, you are marvelous. Simply marvelous. Oh, thank you, John. And such a little fool. The fool? I've told you to play the part down, but it's getting worse and worse. Tonight she's absolutely furious. She's going to make trouble for you, madam. Oh, trouble? What kind of trouble? You don't know Nellie Garrett. <laughs> but I know my audience, don't I? Oh, Madeline, you're so young and foolish and so beautiful. Why, thank you, John. So terribly beautiful. Oh, John, now you're leading up to it again, aren't you? Madeline. This play isn't going to last forever. Even you can't keep it alive much longer. Why don't we make plans together now? We could have our own company. As the great John Gaylord and Mrs. Gaylord. Of course not. Why, in a couple of years, you'd be as famous in your own right as Nell Garrett herself. Perhaps I don't want to wait a couple of years. Besides, John, I... I don't love you. Do you love anyone? No, but when I marry, it will be oh, an up-and-coming... You're in for it now, Madeline. So there you are, my fine miss. Go easy, Miss Garrett. She's meant no harm. No harm? She has merely ruined my entire last act curtain for 29 consecutive performances. Hoisting her skirts clear above the ankle, ogling the stalls like a music hall Gretchen. Well, it's only because it's that kind of a part. Oh, is it? Well, as long as I play the lead in this company, I will not have my best speech in the whole play utterly ruined by rowdy applause for the gutter antics of a half-baked ingenue. Now you're making a fool of yourself. And while we're on the subject, Mr. Gaylord, there are a few points I should like to discuss with you. When you help Miss Tremaine down from the swing in the second act, there is no need for you to keep your arm around her during the entire remainder of the scene. Well, really, Miss Garrett, if you can no longer hold either your audiences Oh, your lovers? Oh, no. No. I'll kill you for that, Mel Garrett. If I die for it, I'll kill you. I left the theater and walked aimlessly out into the night. My eyes blinded with the tears. Young... Oh, yes, and foolish as I was, I 
I believe my poor little heart was truly broken. For I knew that Nell Garrett could ruin me with every theater manager in London. And I knew she would. How long I wandered through those misty streets, or where, or even what I did, I shall never know. But just as dawn was breaking, I found myself by some odd twist of fate, passing by the lodgings of John Gaylord. On a sudden impulse, I climbed the steps to his door. Madeline. Hello, John. Did anyone see you? See me? Come in. Where have you been? Just walking. Walking. Oh, good Lord. Alone? Yes. Why? Don't you know? Yes, John, I'm afraid I do. My career... Your career? Oh, my poor child. John, what's the matter? Don't you know that Nell Garrett's been found dead with a knife in her back? Dead? Murdered. John! Police have been looking all over London for you. I've been expecting you here, expecting them here any moment. For me? Of course, for you. Me? Madeline, last night you threatened to kill her in front of a dozen witnesses. Why wouldn't they be looking for you? Oh, Madeline, listen to me. Listen to me. Where did you go? What did you do? Didn't anyone see you? Didn't you talk to anyone? No, no. But you've got to tell them something. What can I tell them? Because if you don't, then... John. They'll hang you, Madeline. Please, Madeline, you've got to think. Try to remember something. I'm so alone. If I, if I only had a and you have got a friend, Madeline, I know. love me enough to say that they were with me. Who is it? Inspector Simmons, Dr. John. Thank you. In there, quick, the bedroom. John. Don't worry, I'll tell you something. Hurry. Coming. I'm sorry to rouse you at this early hour, sir. Quite all right. Come in. You are Mr. John Gaylord? Yes. Of the Queen's Players Company, Drury Lane? Yes. Can you tell me, Mr. Gaylord, anything of the whereabouts of Miss Madeline Tremaine? Madeline Tremaine? Yes. Why? Did you call me, darling? Oh, excuse me. Who is this lady, Mr. Gaylord? Well, who are you? I am from the police, madam. Police? There has been a murder. Miss Nell Garrett of the Queen's Company was found stabbed in her home last night. Nell Garrett? Yes. Do you know her? Why, of course. I'm afraid, madam, that I shall have to ask you for your name. I'm Madeline Tremaine. I'm so sorry that you find me somewhat in disarray. Miss Tremaine, I'm afraid that I shall also have to ask you to account for your whereabouts after you left the theater last night. Very well. Mr. Gaylord can account for my whereabouts. Well, Mr. Gaylord, why... You see, Inspector, it's a rather delicate matter. Because since I left the theater last night, I have been here. Mm. Is is that true, Mr. Gaylord? Yes. Oh, I see. Is that satisfactory, Inspector? Well, yes, yes. Well, I don't think I need trouble you any further for the moment. I quite understand your position, Inspector. It's It's a terrible... Terrible thing. Yes. Well, good day. Good day. Madeline. Yes, John? Madeline, you shouldn't have done it. They'll have the scandal all over every newspaper in the city. A scandal is better than a hanging, isn't it? But there must have been some other way. Now they'll tear you to shreds. They wouldn't have you in anything better than a music hall for the rest of your life. John, 
There won't be any scandal. If if what? John, it wasn't just my tip with Mel Garrett that sent me wandering through the fog last night. I was thinking about something much more serious. What do you mean? I was thinking about what you had said. What I had said? John, perhaps I don't really love you yet. There's no one else. And you're the kindest, finest man I've ever known. Madeline. And now, perhaps you've saved my life. Madeline, I love you more than anything else in the world. But I wouldn't have you marry me for gratitude. I wouldn't marry any man for gratitude. Madeline, if I were to tell you that I wasn't here last night either, that I couldn't explain my whereabouts. Oh, I see. Would you still marry me? Yes, John. I will marry you. Tonight for Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you as star Miss June Dupre, whom you have heard in the first act of A Thing of Beauty, a radio play by Robert L. Richards from a story by Elizabeth Heaston. Tonight's tale of suspense. This is Truman Bradley for Roma Wines. And I should like to tell you about a most interesting woman who extracts all the simple pleasure and happiness possible from living. She is Elsa Maxwell, international authority on hospitality. She offers you some friendly counsel. I'm always telling people to take it easy, as they say, to be moderate and natural and at ease. And so, obviously, I suggest the enjoyment of a glass of Roma California port after dinner or during the evening. It's also very smart to serve when friends drop in because this is one of the most glorious of all wines, richly fruity in flavor, with wonderful deep red color, utterly delicious. This is simple enjoyment, easy and restful enjoyment. Moderate pleasure that helps you feel calmly at ease and so happier. Don't bother about special glasses. Just use whatever glasses are convenient and enjoy your wine. You really should act on Miss Maxwell's suggestion. Roma Port, as all Roma wines, is the best that California's magnificent sun-ripened grapes can provide. Inglorious flavor, color, and aroma is unvaryingly good, always enjoyable. Protected for you by the ancient skill of the noted Roma wineries located in the choicest vineyard areas of California. Yet, all this delight costs you only pennies a glass. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. Roma, R-O-M-A. Roma Wines. Shall I continue, gentlemen? Oh, yes, please do, Mr. Germain. It's completely absorbing. Indeed it is. Really? I hope you don't mind the lights turned off. It's the storm. I suppose perhaps I'm a sort of elemental creature, but I always love to sit here and have it dark when it's stormy outside. Not at all. Well, then... Our marriage was a very happy one. 
perhaps not entirely in the high tradition of grand passion, but a thoroughly comfortable, civilized relationship until something happened which is so often a tragic feature of wedded life between two stage personalities. For the first two seasons, John and I always played together. And then managers began to ask for me, alone. What could I do? I was young and just reaching the peak of my career. John was past his prime and popularity. And so at last he no longer even tried to have a career, but lived along on false hopes and idle dreams and tiresome reminiscences. Had took up little hobbies to pass the time away and grew a little stout. It was very difficult for both of us. And then for me came the time and opportunity that every actress dreams of. Ah, mademoiselle. Hello, Suzette. I've got the most wonderful news. The most wonderful, wonderful news. Have you, Madeline? I'll tell you about it later. Oh, yes, yes John. Come in here a moment. Enjoy something. Where are you? In here. Then. Oh, good heavens. Now what? I thought I'd keep it a secret until I had my first exhibit. But I couldn't wait. I've taken up etching. Etching? Yes. Look. What's that? You. What? It's only the copper plate, of course. You see, the whole principle of etching is... Madeline, look out! What's the matter? Almost knocked over that vat of nitric acid. One drop of that on your beautiful white skin. It will burn a hole right through you. Well, must you have that sort of thing around? Of course, that's the whole thing. You see, your sketch simply scrapes the wax off the copper plate. Then you drop it in the acid and... Well, that's very interesting. Yes. Well, and what happened in town? Anything? Anything. Everything. Got some plans, hmm? Anyone asked for me? Oh, yes, everyone asked after you, John. And I told them you were well. I mean, I thought there might be a couple of decent plays for a change. I might consider something. John, how are you on Romeo? Romeo? Yes. You see, Maxwell has finally asked me to do a Shakespeare repertory, and high time, by the way, and I'm starting in Romeo and Juliet, and I Madeline, need... Madeline, why didn't you tell me Romeo? Oh, it would be a sensation, and it's just the thing I need now, to... Now, John... Oh, I can do it all right. Take off a little weight, brush up on the lines. I've done it before, you know. Uh, John... Oh, Madeline, you're the dearest wife and the best friend a man ever had. You know, lately I've actually wondered sometimes if you might not think I wasn't. Oh, darling. Now, John, don't count too heavily on this. I, I'm not quite sure yet how things are going to work out. Work out? How else can they work out? But perfectly. Very well. I'd like to begin reading here at home. First thing tomorrow evening. Again, from uh, yet I should kill thee with much cherishing. 
Yet I should kill thee with much cherishing. Good night. Good night. Parting is such sweet sorrow that I shall say good night till it be morrow. Sleep dwell upon thine eyes. Peace in thy yes. breast. Yeah. Uh, John... Would... You see, on those last lines, you should already be moving off stage. You don't want to make too much of them. After all, the scene really ends when Juliet leaves the balcony. But you can't just throw them away, Madeline. Those are famous lines. Oh, but, John, we mustn't think so much in terms of lines as of performance. Excuse me, mademoiselle. Yes, is that? Um, Mr. Alexander Duncan is here. Oh, yes. Show him in. Oh, yes, mademoiselle. Alex Duncan. What's that young ham coming around for? Well, John, I... I've been meaning to tell you... Hello, Madeline. Oh, hello, Alec. You know my husband? Why, yes. How do you do, Mr. Tremaine? The name is Gaylord. Oh, oh, yes, of course, Mr. Gaylord. Well, say, aren't I the luckiest fellow in the world? Are you? John... To be playing Romeo opposite Madeline Tremaine? Why, Madeline, when I got your cable, I could hardly believe it. I jumped on the boat without even packing... Is... Something wrong? John, I've been trying to tell you, but I, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Well, if I've interrupted anything... No, it's all I... right, Alec. John, please don't make a scene. I had to have someone to rehearse with until Alec got here, and I, I knew you wouldn't be the slightest help to me if you thought... Oh, John, why must you make an issue of it? Madeline, I've always known you were the, a thoughtless, selfish woman, but I never would have believed that you could do anything quite so vile... Hey, you speak to me that way. You didn't really think that a man with a 40-inch waistline and a double chin could ever play Romeo, did you? Why, you... Oh, I say. Get out of here. Get out of here. Get out! Get out! Get out! I'll get out. You'd better leave, Alec. Oh, yes. I'll go and apologize. John, I want to talk... Be careful of... That acid, Madeline. Acid? Oh. John, I... I'm terribly sorry for what I said. It was beastly of me. Oh, it's quite all right. Oh, John, I knew you'd see it that way when you came to think. Because, you see, I am going to play Romeo. Oh, John, must we go through it all Madeline, again? Madeline, I've forgiven. I've forgotten. A lot of things since we've been married. I've put you out in front. I've given you the spotlight and watched your regard for me become somewhat less than that of the servant, if somewhat more than for your dog. John. But this, if only for my self-respect, I will not allow to dangle before my eyes the thing that I've wanted most in all the world, except your beauty that I gave it up for. The thing I've been wanting so much I didn't dare admit it to myself. And then to have you snatch it away from me. No, Madeline. Waistlines and double chins can be concealed. But it means spirit never... This one thing you can do for me, and you will. John, you're being a fool. You see, I haven't always... I've always known that you married me to save your career and to keep my mouth shut. But there's one thing you haven't known. Where I was the night Nell Garrett was murdered. Where were you? I was at Nell Garrett's home. Well, that explains quite a number of things, doesn't it, John? Madeline. Where did you get that gun? I always thought that someday I might need one. Madeline. Don't come near me, John. Very well. I warned you. 
Monsters, you beautiful, terrible No! No! sank to the floor. He hurled a bowl of acid at my face. Oh, it was a frightful thing. Of course, it was self-defense. I, I was never even brought to trial. Particularly when I told that it was he who had killed Paul Nell Garrett. But I suffered a complete nervous collapse. And I suppose I've never really recovered. And yet Providence always seems kind enough to leave something to be thankful for, even in the worst of tragedies, because not a single drop of acid ever touched me. I suppose if it had, I should be horribly disfigured to this day. Have I bored you, Mr. Sedley? No. Oh, no, Mr. Well, uh, Madeline, the storm is almost over. I, I think we'd best push on. Must you? Well, but excuse me for just a moment. Of course. My word. Poor woman. Yes. I say, look here. What? This mirror. It's not a mirror at all. It has a picture pasted in it. The photograph that's in the study. Poor Madeline. Mademoiselle would like to speak with you a moment before you go. Oh, oh, oh very well. I, I'll only be a moment, uh, Sedley. This way, Father. Uh, thank you. Ah, Father. Well, uh, Madeline? You may turn the lights on, Suzette, as you go. Oh, yes, Mademoiselle. So, that is your young curate, Father Bentham. Yes, yes. Uh, do you like him? Oh, he seems a dear boy. But... But uh, what, Madeline? I am afraid I can't see him again. Madeline? Why? Because I... I don't want to hurt his feelings, and uh, it would not be the same. You have been my only true friend in all these years. And when you are gone, I would rather be alone again than... I'm sorry, sir, but Mrs. Stokes is outside. Her little girl is dying, and when she heard you were here, she... Oh, go away. Madeline. Go away, both of you. Go away, go away. Go away. Come, sir. Go away. Good Lord. Poor Madeline. It was... Was too much for her. Yes. Oh, she killed them both, of course, the woman and her husband. I, I think I always must have known it. All these years, she's, she's lived a lie. Yes, but that's not the lie that's hurt her. It was the acid. Acid? Didn't you see her face, sir? You forget, my boy, that I am blind. She has no face.
And so closes A Thing of Beauty, starring June Dupre, tonight's tale of Suspense. Suspense is produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. Probably no woman alive has been hostess to so many famous and distinguished people as Miss Elsa Maxwell. This is what she says about Roma wine. When you entertain friends, you do everything you can think of to add to their enjoyment. And that is why I say, when you serve your guests Roma wine, you not only delight them, you also smartly and genuinely flatter them. These delicious wines add so much to hospitality and to enjoyment of everyday meals. Yet it's such a simple, easy addition to the joy of living. So wholesomely moderate and so inexpensive. Miss Maxwell gives you good advice. Enjoy Roma wine regularly. It's California's finest. Always good, unvaryingly fine in flavor and quality. Remember, more Americans enjoy Roma than any other wines. Roma, R-O-M-A, Roma Wines. Next Thursday, same time, Mr. Keenan Wynn will be your star of Suspense. Okay, I have to ask, which one did you enjoy the most? You know my answer, the first one. The Black Path of Fear. Why? I love the adventure and the complete left turn it took. The ending totally took me by surprise, and they managed to have me feeling for both our male lead and our femme fatale, who at first seems dangerous, but ends up saving our main guy. From the mystery at the beginning and the tie round at the end had me both sad and appreciative of both characters' choices and interactions, with a sneaky villain plugged in there as well. This one was rich with content. Not to mention, had me guessing constantly. Is the lady going to backstab him? Is the cop really a cop? How did the main lady die in the first place? These questions constantly ran through my mind. Also, both our protagonists not becoming an item. That was really unique. In fact, this, to me, was ahead of its time. Brushing past narrative tropes and sneaking into my heart. I loved it. Now, folks, have a fantastic night. This Wednesday, I'll take a look at either rituals, let's not meet stories, or perhaps awesome cryptids. <laughs> so stick around then, and we can dive into those on Wednesday. If you get a chance, swing on by my Patreon. And if you want to hear the audio at a crazy high quality, feel free to donate $1 per month to help this podcast out. And you'll be part of that membership for a super-duper high-quality audio feed. That means cranking remastered all-time radio episodes to max with little to no distortion. Well, as much as I can achieve, put it that way. Alright mates, stay awesome, and as always, till next, we meet.